that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? You know, I was recently I was looking at a, uh, on the internet a YouTube video of uh, Peter Schabner, I believe it was his name. He was, um, he was one of the pilots that was scheduled to be on the, to fly the plane. He, f he flies for American Airlines. And uh, of course on 9-11, uh, Flight 11 was the first Boeing 767 to fly into the World Trade Center. And he was scheduled to be the pilot for that flight. In fact, he had done all of his paperwork, he'd put in his name, uh, and he was just waiting for the phone call to uh, confirm that he would be flying that flight. Well, he never got the phone call. And uh, the story that he tells is called In My Seat. It's a powerful video, you ought to check it out. But he tells the story of how that he was bumped off and another pilot took that flight. And he didn't even realize, even when he was watching the planes fly into the World Trade Center, he didn't realize it fully until he went back to the schedule on the computer and looked it up and realized that was his flight, Flight 11, and he had been bumped off and he was supposed to be in that seat. And that's why the story is called In My Seat. A powerful uh, video, powerful YouTube video. You can search it, In My Seat. Uh, Peter Schabner, just look it up for yourself. Incredible story. Well, uh, below the YouTube videos are places where people can make comments. And most of the comments were rather positive, but there was one comment that I want to read to you today that uh, sort of reveals, I think, secretly the attitude of a lot of people in this world about why human suffering. This person says this. He says, I can't quite understand where you are coming from with all of these faith statements when it is apparent to me that nobody is minding the ship. Uh, talking about planet Earth, you know, that God, the concept is that God just sort of wound up everything and left, it, left us all to ourselves. He says, at the time of Jesus, the Jews had been waiting for 1,000 years for the Messiah to save them. Now Christians have been waiting for an additional 2,000 years for Jesus to return and set things straight and to usher in the 1,000-year reign of peace on earth. So where is it all, this person is asking. Where is this kingdom of God? How is it that violence and evil reign supreme in a world supposedly, get this, supposedly governed by God? How can we attribute the miraculous survival of Peter Schabner to God when he turned his back on 3,000 other souls who all lost their lives that day? Well, what do you think? You ever thought about some of these concepts? I mean, some of these things he says you know, deserves an answer. And that's exactly what I want to do today. I want to answer the question, why human suffering? First of all, why did God allow 3,000 people to lose their lives that day? 
Couldn't God have stopped the terrorists? Well, sure he could have. If he would have made it his business, God could have easily prevented this. Now, you know, here's the thing. Yeah, God could have prevented this if we were truly, get this, if we were truly, as we say we are, one nation under God. If it was so, what we write on our currency, in God we trust. Now, if we were really one nation under God, and we really did trust God, oh yeah, God could have prevented this terrorist attack. Notice what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 28 and verse 7. Incredible promise here. It says, And the Lord shall cause your enemy that rise up against thee, and that's exactly what we were dealing with on 9-11, to be smitten before your face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. Oh, man. I mean, that's the kind of protection that we want. Your, your enemies come out against you one way and they flee seven ways. But this didn't happen, did it? No. No, it didn't. You know, in the Bible, the Old Testament prophets talk about a hedge, a hedge of protection that God places around a people, around a nation. And this hedge, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't know if you're familiar with shrubbery or some, some of the type of hedging that people can put around their homes. You know, it's very uh, hard to get through that. You'll tear yourself to bits and pieces trying to run through something like that. And it is, from a, a, a spiritual concept, there is a hedge that God places around a nation to keep it safe. Notice what Isaiah 55, excuse me, Isaiah 5 and verse 5 says. Talking about the hedge, he says, Now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. The Old Testament prophets predict a day, a time, when the hedge, the spiritual hedge of protection that keeps us safe will be taken down. Well, why? Why would God allow that? Why would God allow the hedge to come down that keeps us safe? Well, one reason I'm thinking of is religious hypocrisy. Lip service to a God. A God that supposedly we say governs our lives. Yeah, right. Right. Okay. Now, could God have stopped 9-11, the terrorist attack? Well, yeah, he could have, but the point is, God did not make it his business to do so. Now think about that. I mean, here we are, claiming to be one nation under God, claiming that in God we trust. And God did not make it his business to protect us. The hedge was down. The hedge was down. Oh, I know, church attendance went up a couple of months after that event. I think church attendance went up a little bit. But God's not interested in more church attendance. He's interested in unconditional surrender. Where, he, where you allow God to govern your life. Where I allow God to govern everything about my life. That's what God is interested in. He's not interested in a few more people going to church. I hope you understand that. And when we talk about the hedge of protection coming down, excuse the grammar, but you ain't seen nothing yet. We haven't seen anything yet of what's going to happen 
when this hedge comes down. Now, why does God allow human suffering? One word, freedom. Freedom. You see, if you are not free to do the wrong thing, then you are not free. You understand what I'm saying? If, you're not, if you are not free to choose to do the wrong thing, and at the same time, you are free to choose to do the right thing, but if you are not free to choose to do the wrong thing, then you are not truly free. It's called a free moral agent. That's what we are. We are, this is the way God created us, a free moral agent, and God will never take that away from you. He will allow you, He will allow me to do some really stupid things, and He will never take that away from us. Now, now maybe you don't like that. Maybe you wish that you were sort of programmed like a robot. Maybe you wish all people were programmed like a robot, and we always did the right thing. You know, there are beings that never make a mistake. Did you know that? There are beings out there that never sin. They never make a mistake. They're called cows. Yeah, cows, you know, they just sort of walk around in the field, chew the cud, and they never make a mistake. They never sin. You don't see cows terrorizing each other with a you know explosive strapped on its back, and I'm gonna blow you all up. No, of course not. But you see, you don't want to be like a cow, do you? Of course not. You want your freedom, and so do I. Now I'm going to prove to you that you really don't want God in your life right now. I'm going to prove. I'm going to prove that you really want to be free to do stupid things. Let me prove that to you right now. Now let's take the couple in the back seat of the car, getting ready to make love. Now they're not married. And God looks down and he says, oh boy, here comes another dysfunctional child into the world. A pregnancy occurs. They're both too immature to take care of kids. You know, here's another child that's going to be put off on grandma or, you know, the grandparents. Another dysfunctional child in the world. And God doesn't want that. And so God intervenes. Let's pretend that God intervenes. And he locks the zipper on the guy's pants or on the girl's pants. You know, he keeps them from having sex. Now, is that what we want? Well, <laughs> you know the answer to that just as well as I do. No, we don't. The smoker, the smoker getting ready to fire up a cigarette. He doesn't want an invisible hand to come out and stop him. The person at the bar, he's had five too many already. You know, he's had five too many already and he, and he leaves the bar and he runs into a tree and they have to amputate one of his legs. God didn't want that. But did the person, did, did the person drinking the, the beer, the alcohol, whatever, did he really want God to intervene and stop it? No, of course not. We want to, we are free to do the stupid things in our lives that we want to do, and that's what causes human suffering. You know, and to blame it on God is ridiculous. To blame God for the fact that He has made us free, free to choose, and we choose to do the wrong thing, to blame God for that is really idiotic when you think about it. A lot of human suffering comes from the fact that God refuses to take away our freedom to choose. The only way God could have stopped this unwanted pregnancy is to intervene. You know. The only way God could stop this lung cancer from the smoker is to reach out with an invisible hand and stop it. You know, the only way God could have stopped this accident is to actually intervene and take away your freedom to choose.
you see. And we don't want that. No, we want to. In fact, this nation is built on the fact that we are free as a nation. And we love it, and I love it. And I don't want nobody, especially God, taking away my freedom. Now this person says in this article that responded, he said, it is apparent to me that nobody is minding the ship. What he meant by that is that it's a familiar concept that a lot of uh, atheists you know, use for saying that there is no God. You know, they say that the concept is that God sort of wound the earth up and just walked away from it and left, left us to ourselves, you know. Now, I do believe that God has allotted mankind 6,000 years to learn from his mistakes. And I do believe that. And that God sort of is taking sort of a hands-off approach while we learn from our mistakes. But during that 6,000 years, God has been calling a first fruit who have learned from their stupid mistakes and do not blame God. He's calling a first fruit. These people have been called and will help usher in the kingdom of God at Christ's return. Now think about it. What better way to teach a person when Christ sets up his kingdom than the individual who has gone through and made some of those stupid mistakes? In other words, here's the smoker who overcomes that addiction in this physical life. What better person is qualified than that person in the kingdom to teach others? Look, I've been there. I've done this. This is how I quit. This is how I overcame that. So that's what God is doing. He's calling right now a first fruit that will help usher in the kingdom of God. These are people who have right now learned from their silly mistakes and are overcoming their sins. Now, another thing this article says is this. It says, he said, at the time of Jesus, the Jews had been waiting 1,000 1, years for the Messiah to save them. That's true. And now Christians have been waiting another 2,000 years for Christ to return and set up his kingdom and have peace on this earth. So where is it all, is the, what the person asked. Where is it at? Where is this kingdom? Well, look, God is on a time schedule, okay? There are six working days in the week. There is 6,000 years that God has allotted mankind to do his own thing, to try to work out his problems for himself. You know, if we could just get the right man in the White House, we could solve all of our problems. Yeah, right, right, well, you do that. You get the right one in the White House. Uh, <laughs> that's, you know, that's a silly concept altogether. But I tell you, people believe in politics. They really do. They just, I think they believe that. If we can get the right one in the White House, we could solve all of our problems. Well, we haven't done it in the last 6,000 years. What makes you think we're going to do it now? So God has allotted mankind 6,000 years to try to figure out how to solve all of his problems. And the seventh year will be the millennial, the return of Christ to this earth to set up his kingdom. The Bible clearly says that a day is like a thousand years to God and vice versa. Now, let's notice what the Bible says about people who use this excuse of, well, where's it at? Where's the peace on earth? Where's the kingdom of God? Let's take a look. Second Peter 3 and verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall in the come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. Yeah, you know, it's true. Where is this peace on earth? Where is this government of a God? I, you know, things have gone on for on and on and on, and I don't see any sign that Jesus is going to return. Well, let's continue on. What this verse says in 2 Peter 3 and verse 4, and saying, this is what they say, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, 
all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Yeah, we've got another. We just give us some more time. Give us another 6,000 years and we'll figure it out. We'll figure out how to have peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Yeah, sure you will. Sure you will. Sure we will. Yeah, we're going to figure it all out, right? Right. And he continues on. This guy continues on with this comment. He says, uh, how is it that violence and evil reign supreme in a world supposedly governed by God? Now, I don't know where we get our ideas that we believe this world is governed by God. Do you believe this world is gover governed by God? If you do, you've got your head in the sand about, you know, six foot deep. This is a world governed by man. Don't we understand? Did we forget the Old Testament story? Let's take a look at that. When, when uh, they asked for a king, give us a king. Uh, originally, we were under a theocracy. That's the rule of God from the top down. You got God, you got his law, and you got mankind. That's how it originally was set up. But very quickly, in the history of man, we rejected that theocracy. And here's what we said. Let's take a look at it. In 1 Samuel 8 and verse 7, And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken, hearken unto the voice of the people, and all that they say, for they, uh, for they have not rejected you, Samuel, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Yeah, the people. The people wanted a president. They wanted a king over them like the other nations. And God says, look, they haven't rejected you, Samuel, but they've rejected, God says, they've rejected me, that I should reign over them. Oh, yeah. We live in a world governed by man. That's, that's right. It is man's uh, government. It's not God. God's not governing this world. You know, there came a day before Christ was crucified, Pilate asked him, are you a king? He asked Jesus Christ, are you a king? And this is what Jesus said. Fascinating. You, you, this is fascinating. Look at this. John 18 and verse 36. Jesus answered and said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered unto the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. My kingdom is not of this world. Now, I'm going to tell you something that may shock you. Jesus' kingdom that is coming to this earth, probably in your lifetime, because the 6,000 years are about up, that kingdom that's coming to this earth has nothing to do with this world's religion. Sorry. I, I hate to say that, but it's true. You know, yes, we're playing church. I understand that. People play church. But that kingdom that's going to come to this earth is not even going to hardly resemble uh, what people are doing down here who are playing church. That kingdom that is coming to this earth has nothing to do with this political system down here. That kingdom that's coming to this earth has nothing to do with this world's education. That kingdom that is coming to this world has nothing to do with this world's media, entertainment. You see, it has nothing to do with it. It's totally different. It's completely different, that kingdom that's coming to this earth. Listen, right now, we live in a world that is not governed by God, but it will be in the near future. Now, why is it that it's a world not governed by God? Listen to me. 
God's not governing this world because we refuse to let God govern our lives. You get that? God's not governing this world because we as individual, individuals refuse to let God govern our lives. Hey, for example, if I don't let God govern my life, and you don't let God govern your life, and your town in which you live in doesn't let God govern their lives, and the whole society doesn't let God govern their lives, it creates a world that's not governed by God. Well, you had that and figured out, didn't you? Well, of course, that, that makes sense. Yes, right, right. You know? And, and we like to think, yeah, this, this is a world governed by God. Mighty thing. The Lord's doing mighty things here today. He's healing all kinds of people. You see some of those, you know, buffoons on TV, you know, slapping each other up against the face. And you, you get the impression that the Lord is really, especially from religious people, that the Lord is really doing wonderful things today. No, 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 God's not governing this world. You know, the doctors give your, your young daughters birth control pills, and the schools hand out condoms so that children can have safe sex. No, it's not a world governed by God. 100,000 elderly people get screwed out of their retirement. It's not a world governed by God. The church is ordaining homosexuals. It's not a world governed by God. And do not think God is governing our religion. No, he's really not, you know. You know, every time we choose to sin, who's governing your life when I choose to sin, when you choose to sin? Well, you are. When you look at what the Bible says and you say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do what that preacher just said is in the Bible. Who's governing your life when you decide you're not going to do that? Well, you are. It's not God governing your life. The Word of God is clear what it says to do. No, we have a religion where we govern our lives. And it's pathetic. It's pathetic. You don't go to church to change. You just go there to feel good. When was the last time you were told you had to do anything different at church? Of course not. It's not what church is about. It's about feeling good about yourself. Now, whose world is it? Let's ask that question. If it's not a world governed by God, whose world is it? Well, let's take a look. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom, notice this, the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which, should, which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Whose world is it? Well, this is referring to Satan the devil. It's, it's not God's world. Now, God has allowed Satan to be the God of this world. Why has he done that? Well, here's the bottom line. If, if, I, if a person is hell-bent on doing the wrong thing, God, from God's perspective, he just says, well, why not give him a little bit of encouragement? You know, if that's where he's going anyway, let's boost him along there. So it's not, you know, it's not, the, the scripture says that Satan is the God of this world. Now, what is God doing right now? Well, if you look behind me, you see this picture of the noose the hangs, and the hangman's noose? That's sort of what God is doing right now. He's giving mankind enough rope to hang himself. That's what he's doing right now. We have to learn a lesson the hard way, that void of unconditional surrender to God, our lives will not work. We have to learn that the hard way. Now, let's understand something about human suffering and why human suffering. Let, let's really get it down pat. 
in Deuteronomy 18, 28 and verse 1, if you listen obediently to the voice of God, your God, and heartily obey His commandments that I command you today, God, your God, will place you on high above all the nations of the world. And all these blessings shall come on you and spread out beyond you because you have responded to the voice of God, your God. If, there's a condition here, if you will hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. All these blessings, what are we talking about? We're talking about void of human suffering. A society that's void of human suffering. If you will hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God, all these blessings shall come upon you. Man, that sounds good. That sounds good. Now, here's the other side of the coin. Let's take a look at the other side of the coin because there's always two sides of the coin. These blessings are conditional. They are conditional. Here's the other side of the coin. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 15. Here's what will happen if you don't obediently listen to the voice of God, your God, and diligently keep all the commandments and guidelines that I am commanding you today. All these curses will come down hard on you. Yeah, that's right. And the curses are just the opposite of the blessings. And the curses equal human suffering. Okay? That's what the curses equal. You know, one of the things that I think is, was very revealing in reading through this, and when it lists all of the curses that will come upon us, there's a verse in, uh, let's put that on the board, Deuteronomy uh, 28, in verse 30, it says, you'll get engaged to a woman and another man will take her for his mistress. That's part of the cursing. You know, it's, you know did you know adultery is the hallmark sin of our nation? It really is. If you didn't know your Bible and you just watched um, soap operas and sitcoms and you went to the movies and fed your mind on that garbage that Hollywood is putting out, you would assume that the most that the natural thing to do is cheat on your wife. That's what, that's what you're supposed to do if you didn't know your Bible. Yeah, I mean, it's what our society teaches. Adultery is the hallmark sin of America, of our nation. And what I realize with these cursing, cursings, where it says, you know, you'll be engaged to a woman and another man will take her away, what I realize is that God does not have to lift a hand to cause these curses. Human suffering is the natural consequence of disobedience. It really is. Human suffering is just the result of our disobedience. And that's, that's sad. It really is sad that we have come to this as a nation. You know, if we want to be liberated from a world of human suffering, we must individually and collectively allow God to govern our lives. And that's what's really in your Bible. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount. 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia. 
24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program.